Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10-5 victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. Love of the Star. Welcome Stop. back to Love of the Star. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. That is the radio flagship home of your Dallas Cowboys. Joined, as always, by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout, Brian Broaddus, he is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, Monday through Friday, 2 to 7 p.m. Central on 105.3 The Fan. He is also the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network and uh, preseason color analyst alongside the radio legend, Brad Sham. Brian, how you doing today, man? I'm doing well, Robert. Welcome back to the fight uh, <laughs> after a very, very uh, tough uh, weekend there in Green Bay. It was a very tough weekend in Green Bay, and you know we 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 mentioned how on Monday how Mike McCarthy talked about that there was a lot of red ass and there and there was a lot of yeah. uh, you know Boudreaux's butt paste yes, works really good for that stuff. It does uh, a lot of uh, a lot of consternation, a, lo- a lot of friction. I think after the game, um, and, and they were an unhappy group of players, and we got into the locker room here on Wednesday. And I don't know that they were any happier. So so just pulling back the curtain a little bit. Here's the way the Cowboys schedule normally works. Mike McCarthy talks at 1030 on a practice day, typically. Then around 1130 or noon, depending on the day, we go out to practice. 1, 130, we go into locker room. So we're catching these guys coming off the practice field and stuff like that. Today, the situation was the locker room was open at 11. And Mike McCarthy spoke at 3. And practice was 4.15, and we were initially allowed at that practice, and then we were not. It became a walkthrough practice, not a full practice, and it was one that we weren't allowed to be at. Um, So it's interesting because whenever the locker room's open at 11, it kind of defeats the purpose of locker room because a lot of guys aren't even in the building yet. They don't – if practice is until 4, a lot of them aren't coming in until a little bit later. And so when somebody's in there, it's always kind of a miracle. And uh, when they are in there, they don't seem particularly like they want to talk at that time. That's why I think it's so significant that one of the guys who was in there and one of the guys who had a lot to say today, Brian, was J. Ron Curse, who is one of their big leaders on that side of the ball. Um, when they lost him after Tampa Bay, uh, Dan Quinn referred to him as like, hey, the offense lost their quarterback, we lost ours. And so Dan Quinn thinks that J. Ron Curse is sort of the 
the quarterback of the defense, and, and he's been really impressive for them uh, ever since he got here last year. And he is a guy who, on the practice field, in the locker room, on the sideline, whatever, he is a lot of times holding guys accountable. He's, he's you know, patting them on the back when they do good too, but J. Ron Curse is, is holding a lot of these guys accountable when they mess up. And so it was significant to hear him talk today uh, and and we got a couple clips here that I think are really interesting. The first one here, Brian, J. Ron Curse on how can the run defense be repaired? Everybody just has to do their job. You know, not try to do too much. Just do your job. You know, if we if every every single individual does their job, we'll take care of the run. How can y'all work on that? It sounds big, even though obviously you each know what your job is. I couldn't tell you. It's, it's just every individual. That's something that. You know, as an individual that's on that that's on the field on that particular play, you know, if you lock in on your job and just do your job, the same thing you do every week in practice, then it'll take care of itself. I can't really elaborate on how we can get it done as a unit. You know, it's all individual. You know, if one guy's not in this gap, uh, these backs in this league are gonna find that gap. So, uh, you know, you just have to do your job. If you're a force, force. You know, if you a linebacker and you have to shoot the gap, shoot the gap. You know, you're an edge defender and you have to hold the edge, do that. You know, you know, that's all it really boils down to is just 11 guys doing their individual jobs. I think that's a really interesting way to put it from J. Ron Curse because a lot of times when you hear players talk about the unit, it's about, you know, oh, us as a group, us as a group. This was different. This is J. Ron Curse essentially saying we're a unit until one guy doesn't do his job. Then we're not a unit anymore. Like, like that's the whole point is that it's got to be 11 guys moving in the same direction. Uh, not literally, obviously, but but 11 guys handling their business to make sure the defense functions. And if one guy is out, uh, you know, freelancing, if one guy's out of position, if one guy's not doing his job, all of a sudden it becomes 11 individuals doing things and none of it makes sense. It's it's not a cohesive unit. So I thought that was a really interesting point there, Brian. What, what was your take on, in general, his uh, observations of the defense? I could listen to J. Ron Curse talk football all day. Yeah, The way great. he just described it. Um, he didn't call out players. He called out positions. He called out the defensive ends. He called out the linebackers. He called out the safeties. And he called out the corners. Everything that you and I have been talking about on this podcast for weeks, and Bobby, let's be honest, it goes all the way back to Tampa. Yeah. You know, when Tampa without, you know, they've played two Hall of Fame quarterbacks this year in Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, and neither one of them had to go win the game. You know, they made throws, but neither one of them had to go win the game because you weren't good enough, uh, weren't good enough on offense scoring, but you weren't good enough uh, playing run defense. You know, the Tampa game was felt like it was lost because you allowed Leonard Fournette to have like 128 yards rushing to start the thing. And, you know, we've seen it. it this doesn't just go back to the Bears game. Yeah, they've, they've had – Teams have had some success. They've done a great job of making teams have to throw the football. Mm-hmm. And but the running the running game has been a part of this, or the lack of defending the running game has been a part of the season. And uh, Kirst did a great job. He told you when the ends do not play their technique, when the ends do not twist when they're supposed to twist, when the ends do not leverage a tight end or a tackle or hold the point or a linebacker doesn't shoot the gap because he's late getting over there because he ran behind a block to get there or a safety doesn't see it well enough and come down fast enough to fill uh, to, to make a difference or you have a corner that gives ground, gives ground, gives ground and gets gets knocked out of the play. See, those are all things that Curse is talking about, and he's absolutely right. When you watch the All-22, and there's a lot of Cowboy fans out there that get the All-22 from the NFL and uh, .com, and you sit down and you can see it. With your own eyes, you can see the issues and the problems that this team has. Uh, it's Sometimes it's physical problems, but a lot of times it will be not doing what you're supposed to do, and that comes down to the scheme. Like I said, if they're asking you to twist, twist. If they're asking you to stunt, stunt. If they're asking to fill, fill. All those things he said are one of the are the reasons why they're not playing very good run defense right now. Whenever they talk about whether it's Micah Parsons or J. Ron Curse or anybody else 
talking about guys freelancing. Yeah. Do you think that's a hero ball? Is what we call it. So, so hero, hero ball hero, is that yeah. guy, is that guy's like like when Dante Fowler doesn't twist? Is that Dante Fowler deciding on his own? I'm going to do this instead, or is that a guy missing an assignment? Uh, like, like what that's, is that's, no, that's missing an assignment. That that is maybe a guy that on that particular stunt that he didn't get to practice that week. Maybe maybe that was something that Dorrance Armstrong practiced. Maybe when they ran that twist or practice that twist it wasn't it wasn't Fowler it was you know it was like I say it was Armstrong it was Basham it was somebody else that got to practice that twist stunt because clearly you watch what happens on the other side they're running a twist Mm -hmm. they're double twisting is what they're doing you don't run a you don't run a defensive tackle out of that gap and make that gap that wide if you're not doing something back inside there. That that's just you know, and and Quentin Bohannon, you know, uh, Eric Chiafalo, who we work with, uh, you know, 105.3 The Fan. You know, Eric tweet, tweeted out like Bohanna question mark and Bohanna after the game said it's a stunt, mm-hmm. and but it, it wasn't a completed stunt. It was he did his job, Fowler didn't do his, and it's it's very similar to. When you put people in situations, and Dan Quinn's very, very good at doing this, putting the people in the right place to make the right play. It's kind of like the offense putting Tolbert on the field, and they need him to line up correctly, and he didn't line up correctly. So, you know, when you wonder why things happen during games, the Cowboys have done a great job of limiting those mistakes. But when you – a lot of this run defense stuff is not physical – there's some mental stuff that's causing them some problems as well. Jaron Curse was asked if uh, the defense is angry or frustrated or what's going on in there. It's a bit of everything uh, to go into Chicago and those guys did what they did, you know, regardless of them being the best rushing team in the league, regardless of that, you know, we have to stop that. And then uh, having a bye week and then coming back out and, and losing losing to Green Bay, how we lost to them, letting them run the ball up and down the field on us, uh, you know, you should be you should be angry, you should be frustrated. You know, if you're not, then I think we got the wrong guys on this defensive. You know, you're walking around here like everything is fine, knowing how things went for us last year against San Fran, being a big reason on why we didn't advance in the postseason last year. You know, if you're not frustrated, then we got the wrong guys on this defense. If you're not mad, we got the wrong guys on this defense. It's just all about having a sense of urgency moving forward. You know, we're six and three. The sky's not falling. But uh, if you don't have a sense of urgency moving forward with how last week went, the week before the bye went, then you need to you need to gut check yourself and and look at look at yourself in the mirror. Well, that's a that's a guy with a long memory there, referencing San Francisco. Uh, yeah, but but I mean that clearly stuck with him. But I think it's interesting there when you hear J. Ron Curse talk about this, and, and he references, "Hey, if if you're not angry, or you're not frustrated, uh, then then you're not the right guy for this defense, and then you need to to gut check." Do you think when he says that, because he was asked if they're angry or frustrated, and he's he's like a lot of guys are. Do you think when he says something like that, he's more just saying, of course, everybody's frustrated because if they weren't, they wouldn't be here? Or do you think he is actually potentially calling out some complacency, like like quietly calling out some guys he feels are being complacent? Yes, I absolutely do. I I feel like that, you know, that, you know, maybe on that plane flight home and, you know, you're experiencing that yourselves. Now, uh, I used to experience that and there were times after losses where the players are sitting behind you and you could hear the chatter and the noise and it would be after a loss and you're kind of like, why do I feel worse than them? Why do I feel like that I'm hurting more than they are right now? And it might be a, it, it might be something that he saw on a plane flight home. It might be something in that locker room. It might be something that he's hearing in the meeting that he doesn't like that he wants to address right now. So by doing that, I think he's put on blast, as they used to say, mm-hmm. um, some of his teammates. Uh, you know, he's you know he's guilty of this stuff too. He's self-reflecting himself on some of the plays that he's sure. missed. Sure, you know, uh, this guy is a, a a great competitor, but you know, he's he had a great season last year. I mean, I think he's been good this year. I don't think he's been as good as he was last year. Been, but been hurt a lot this year. Yeah, but he's been banged up. But I clearly believe there was something that happened in the locker room after the game. There was something on the plane flight home 
or there was something in the meetings or the, the get-togethers they had on Monday and Tuesday that he didn't like was what was coming from his teammates. And that's interesting. I, I mean, I, I think that's what you want. Like, uh, you know, Mike McCarthy said this week that conflict is good. Uh, that, that That's something that he welcomes whenever there's a little bit of, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a disagreement and a little bit of, uh, you know, growing pains or, or what have you. Uh, Jay Ronkers was asked about that aspect, about what Mike McCarthy had said, because I think everybody kind of got the sense, hey, the Jay Ronkers isn't happy here totally. Uh, Jay Ronkers was asked about Mike McCarthy's statements about conflict and in general, uh, his thoughts on that, about accountability and conflict after a loss. Yeah, you know, I think it, it, it has to come from everywhere. Uh, it can't just come from us and then the coaches not say anything. And it can't just come from the coaches and us not say anything. It has to come from everywhere. Uh, you know, everybody should be pissed off at you know, how we lost that game and, and the way things went that game. So conflict is always going to be good. Uh, but like I said, uh, it's more it's more about the individual and, and having a, a sense of urgency moving forward. Like I said, the, the sky's not falling. Uh, with six and three, we can do everything that we still want to do with this season. But uh, right now is the time to really hone in on everything and, and really lock in and stop stop something, stop the bleeding. You know, I said after after we played uh, Chicago that we that we opened some up, uh, getting attacked on the edge, and uh, Green Bay came out first play, attacked us on the edge, and continued throughout the game. So you know, until we stop it, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to change uh, moving forward. It's like you've he's, said. He's not wrong. No, he is not wrong at all. I mean, I guarantee you, Bobby, and I, I, I'm sorry I interrupted you No, you're good, you're there, good. But, but he just made me think that, you know, Minnesota's watching this tape and they're thinking like, okay, this is what Green Bay did. This is how Green Bay started the game. Even being down 14 points, Green Bay still ran the football. Yep. They just said, all right, we're going to keep running it because we feel like that's the best thing. Teams are terrified of Dallas's pass rush. I was watching – Tonight uh, in the studio, uh, I was watching you know the NFL Network, and mm-hmm. you know they were the you know these guys were going back and forth to the advantages that you know okay what's the advantage for the Cowboys what's the advantage for the Vikings and you know the only advantage that they gave out of five categories to the Cowboys was pass rush that's the only advantage you know quarterback wide receivers you know running game. That was all in Minnesota's favor. Uh, and, you know, the the panel was saying Dallas clearly has the best pass rush. The problem is that if you cannot get people in down and distance situations where you're rushing, having to rush the passer, that neutralizes everything that you're good at. And I guarantee you, Minnesota's looking at this right now. It's They got two really physical backs that can split carries, and they're both kind of the same type of guy. When it comes to running the football, yep. So they they have to look at that like, what's the thing that can hurt us the most? Oh wait, if Kurt drops back and gets hit by you know, Tank Lawrence and fumbles the ball, then that could hurt us. But if we hand the ball to Dalvin Cook, you know that probably won't hurt us. You know, so I, I he's right. When you know, if you prove that you can't do something, that you prove you can't handle something in football. Teams will teams will try and take complete advantage of you of that. Yeah, you've said it before. Uh, you know, if you're gonna, if teams turn on the tape, and even if they struggle at whatever it is that that you have an issue with, if they see it on tape, they'll go, "Well, we got to try it. Doesn't matter that we're very good at, we're not very good at it. We at least got to try it because everybody else has right. had success with it." And and that's the thing is that you look at it, Minnesota hasn't been as efficient with the run this year as they have been at other times. I mean, they're 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 about middle of the pack. I mean, I, I know the tape. I think when you watch the tape, you see talented running backs. But yeah. uh, the actual statistics show they they're they're about middle of the road. Um, but but certainly you got to think that Minnesota comes into this and says, "This is what we got to do. This is what we well, need to to really do to take advantage of things." Yeah. Well, last week I was talking to people in Green Bay, and I'm telling him I'm going, "Why do you guys not run the ball?" And they're like, well, you know, we got Aaron, we got this, got that. They're making all these excuses. And I told him, I said, if you want to win this game, you'll run the ball against Dallas, mm-hmm. you know? And they're like, well, we're not – I don't think we're, we'll are we'll load up and run the – you know, and I'm like, okay. And so what happens on Monday? You know, I get three calls, three text messages. Hey, you're right. You're <laughs> right. I go – I that's the best path for victory for you guys. Yeah. Like dropping back and passing with the wide receivers you have, even though they made plays, 
you know, one guy really made plays for them. One guy. So, you know, and the Vikings, I, I could see why the Vikings throw the ball. Kirk Cousins is good throwing the ball, and they've got Jefferson and, you know, those receivers I think are good receivers. So, yeah, I mean, I don't blame them, but I also feel like that they're going to run the ball because they don't want you to get – they don't want to see that pass rush get sicked on them. One more uh, question here before we transition over to the Vikings themselves and also a little bit about what Jay Ronkers had to say about these guys. Um do you think it's a coincidence, seeing as, as how Jay Ronkers had these really long answers loaded up for, for questions about this, do you think it's a coincidence that 11 a.m. with a, a sparse locker room, Jay Ronkers made sure he was there for media availability? I think Jay Ronkers has always been a guy that is going to stand up and speak. I think Tank's another guy. You know, we get Tank on 105.3 The Fan every Thursday at, you know, 4.30 Central Time or right around there. You know, you got guys, I have a feeling he is going to take a similar approach to what J. Ron Kirst took today. You know, and hey, you've got to be better. You've got to do this. Now, maybe he won't call out the position groups, but he realizes, you know, Tank is one of those guys that if you had you had seven tanks across the line of scrimmage, you know, seven Demarcus Lawrences, you'd play the run better because mm-hmm. he has a feel for how to get off blocks how to knife down inside, how to play for tackles for loss, how to position himself to not get hooked, you know, cross face when he has to. I mean, he he does everything the majority of the time. I'm going to say 85% of the time when it comes to run defense to his side, he's doing the right thing, you know. He's not, like I said, running behind blocks. He's not getting hooked. Yeah. You know, he's not delayed reading the play. And I think that's been a big, big problem for these guys, uh, you know, these last few weeks. You are listening to The Love of the Star. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast, and you can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All right, before we move on to this discussion about the Minnesota Vikings, uh, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. Uh, you know, Boomer Jacks, I keep telling you guys uh, about the place. It, it is a wonderful spot, and specifically, you need to check it out on Tuesdays and Wednesdays because we all love wings. Who doesn't love wings? And on Tuesday, they have half-price bone-in wings. Wednesday, it's half-price boneless wings. But, you know, Thursday through Monday, the other days of the week, they still got a lot of great stuff for you. They got $3 drink specials. They got buckets of beer for 15 bucks. wall-to-wall TVs, live music, coldest beer on tap you'll ever find, wonderful appetizers. It's just a great spot all the way around. Whether you're looking for a good spot for happy hour with the uh, co-workers, you're looking for a place with your buddies to watch the game, or, you know, somewhere to have dinner with your family, Boomer Jacks is the perfect spot for all of that. So whatever you want, Boomer Jacks is going to fulfill it for you. 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. 
All right, Brian, the Minnesota Vikings are uh, on the schedule this week for the Cowboys. A uh, Minnesota Vikings team that the Cowboys have beaten three times a row in Minnesota. Uh, J. Ron Kirst, though, had some uh, high praise when he was asked today about Justin Jefferson, the stud receiver there for the Vikings. He's the best receiver in the league right now, hands down. Really? Yeah, hands down. I mean, the tape doesn't lie. Uh, you know, anybody could – you can say whatever you want to say. You turn the tape on, you see it. And, uh, you know, he, he gets open against everybody. Uh, you know, he, he, he plays good against every opponent. Every top corner you put in front of him, he's going out and he's making his plays, his individual plays, winning his individual matchup. Uh, you know, so the tape, the tape doesn't lie. I wanted to start off with that, Brian, because I got to ask you. First off, we already know, you know, go Tigers. You're, you're, you're an LSU guy. We know that. Uh, but I think outside of that, even, you, you, you can be objective about this. I, I wanted to lead off with this because he's obviously going to be a big focus. Uh, do you agree with J. Ron Curse's take that right now Justin Jefferson's the best receiver in football? You know what? It's funny you say that because I, I thought coming out that Chase at Cincinnati was a better player than Jefferson. You know, I mean, if you looked at LSU and how they played and all that, and how Joe Burrow and everything, and I'll tell you what Jefferson, though, um, I think I think Curse is right. I mean, you watch him play, you watch him release off the line, you watch him get into routes, you watch the hand-eye, you watch the body control, the balance, the ability to stop, come back to the ball, catch the ball in your hands, uh, contort his body to make plays. Uh, yeah, I mean, last year the Cowboys held him to career lows when it came to catches, targets, yards, and all that stuff. And so, you know, that's something that, you know, I'm sure that in his mind he's probably thinking like, this is not going to happen to me again. But when they need an absolute big play, that was fourth and 19 in that Buffalo game. Yeah. All, Buffalo had, all Buffalo had to do was not try and intercept the ball, just knock it away. Yeah. You know, just – tip the ball away, tip the ball back over the top of you. You know, every time I watch him make that catch, I'm thinking, just knock the ball away. Don't go for the interception. Don't give him, don't stop the ball for him. But uh, incredible player, uh, very much a uh, very confident player. You know, I could say he comes out of a program at LSU where uh, he had huge success you know, huge success playing as a receiver. And, you know, there were receivers that were taken ahead of him. So he's also, you know, playing with a little chip on his shoulder as well. But he he's uh, – I don't think I don't think Curse is wrong. I think he's the best receiver in the league right now. I got to say, one of the big takeaways I had watching the Vikings was it does not matter if you – like, I mean, you can do everything in your power to take him away. You can play things perfectly. He still makes plays. He does. Safety, yeah, that's help, just, yeah. safety help, tight coverage, doesn't matter. Uh, I know you – did you get a chance to watch the Washington game when you were studying? I did. Saint, I did. St. Juiced covered him pretty well. There yeah. were several plays where yeah. St. Juiced was right there, and he yeah. just caught it. And, and yeah. uh, you know, I think for a, a team over here that's kind of frustrated at the amount of separation they get because guys aren't uh, – you know, they don't have that my ball mentality all the time like you've talked about – Boy, I don't know that anybody in the NFL right now embodies my ball more than uh, Justin Jefferson because he'll make that. He's one of these guys that even when he's not open, he's open. It's kind of it's almost yeah. Des Bryant like in that sense. Yeah, I kind of uh, I watched the Miami game and I thought Miami did a pretty good job on him. I don't remember the number of receptions and all that or the targets in the Miami game, but I felt like Miami kind of hung with him in that game. But yeah, I mean the Commanders. Uh, Buffalo. I mean, you see, the thing that's so impressive is how he gets off the line. He's able to separate. He's able to run. He could stop on a dime. He comes back to the ball. He could go to the sidelines. He runs routes in the middle of the field. You know, in the red zone, he's you could fit the ball to him in tight spots. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is going to be a handful for the Cowboys to deal with. Now, let's talk about some of the other aspects of this offense. Uh, first off, they they've added T.J. Hawkinson uh, yeah. in recent weeks which has only made them stronger. He, he's had, you know, and he's already proven to be a, a favorite target of Kirk Cousins. We're talking about a guy who in two games now is averaging about 10 targets a game with them. But TJ Hawkinson, a guy who gave the Cowboys problems three, four weeks ago, whatever it was, uh, how big, I mean, obviously, especially while you're worried about taking away the running game and trying to fix things there, how big is, is their ability to, to take away TJ Hawkinson going to be for them on Sunday, do you think? Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys were on a hell of a run before they played the Lions when it came to defending tight ends. 
you know, and last week for the Packers, you know, uh, Robert Tunyon was the leading receiver. I mean, going into the game for the Packers and felt like that they, you know, kind of hung in there on him, but yeah, Hawkinson's is a different, a different cat. And what they do is a lot of pocket movement with this quarterback. They like to hard play action and then roll the pocket uh, like the Cowboys do with the boots, the waggles, uh, you know, those are the types of plays and they like to drag the tight end. They like to put the tight end in bunch formations. And, you know, we saw the, the Packers have some success running the bunch formations and scattering that. And then all of a sudden the Cowboys corners got caught a little flat footed trying to play coverage. Yeah. So I, w- I would anticipate that you'll see, you know, they're going to go back and look at some of the stuff that Hawkinson was able to do when the Cowboys and the Lions played early in the year. Maybe it's like, okay, maybe we need to incorporate a little of this stuff and because he clearly had a really nice game. One of the things that I think is uh, going to be frustrating about this game for Cowboys fans is Man, when you watch Dalvin Cook, like I said, they haven't necessarily been the most efficient team in the league, but Dalvin Cook and even Alex Madison, Madison's been really good. Um, yeah. and it's funny. They look they look so similar. They're, like, they're both single-digit numbers. Single-digit yeah. backs with like four and two. builds. Four, and like, one, yeah, one wears four, one wears two. They, and they seem and to they, run similarly. They run this, They run very similar. And yeah. so it's just, it, it can be a little, uh, it, it can be a little bit confusing trying to figure out which one, but like these are two really good backs. And one of the things I've noticed about Cook is, man, he gets to his spot in a hurry. Like whether it's he's, you know, if he's trying to, you know, run up the middle and he's looking for a crease, he'll hit it in a hurry. Like like you've got a little, just a very little bit of time to close on him. But he also gets to the outside really quickly. Uh, he's somebody who can bounce it outside if things aren't there in the middle. Like he's, he presents a ton of problems. Like I feel like Dalvin Cook is the exact type of runner that this run defense right now probably doesn't want to see with the way they've played things. Yeah, the thing that makes Cook so difficult, and and to your point with Madison as well, is that if they bounce, if the play starts inside and then it kind of gets muddy and you don't tackle him right then and there, he's going to bounce the ball to the outside. Yeah. And he's got the capability. He's got the capability to get to the corner, as you mentioned, Bobby, in a hurry. And the – the Vikings do a really good job. I've seen some sequences of people breaking down their tape and how they get their alignment up on second levels, how they push on the front side and then the ball bends back weak side because you've committed. You know, the Cowboys have had some problems playing run defenses. Everybody knows, you know, Micah overruns plays, uh, Vanderesh overruns plays. You know, they have defenders that have overrun and then all of a sudden the ball comes back and it's a five or six yard gain when it probably should have only been one or two yards. So, yeah, I mean, the, you know, how you play in the gaps. But it's going to be really, really important uh, this week to not let Cooks or excuse me, Cook bounce the ball outside on you. Man, it's funny uh, watching Kirk Cousins. I don't know if it's just because now he's out of the division and so I've forgotten about it um, or, or something's changed. Has he always had – it looks like kind of a funny release – has he always had yeah. like? Have you seen it? Like, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, it, it yeah. looks, it's it's kind of elongated, and it uh, it, it seems like he releases. Uh, like, like I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's a it's a funny looking release that looks almost uh, you know like the way you'd see stuff in like 1982. Like, like I oh no, yeah, he's very he's very much an old throwbacks quarterback because he does like to sit in the pocket and throw the ball. Mm-hmm. That's something. I mean, he is not afraid to deliver the ball. Uh, you'll see some times where he'll flinch a little bit. You know, he, he knows he's about to take a hit, but he'll get rid of the ball. Um, you know, that's something you just have to have to be ready for. He's another one of those guys, much like Aaron Rodgers, though, if you get to him quick, get around him, you could sack it. You know, you get him now. He'll try and throw the ball away, too. I mean, I, I saw uh, – heck, it was against uh, the Commanders. I believe he was uh, – they were down in their own end of the field, and he gets trapped in the end zone, basically. And, you know, he's throwing the ball. He's, like, risking grounding, yeah. you know, to get rid of a ball that, you know, could have been called a safety, and you know, but he didn't care. He just was didn't want to take a sack. And so, yeah, I, but he's a he's a very much a get-all-his-body-into-his-throw type of guy. Like he, he's like a, he's like whips his body yeah. along with his arm in order to get the ball out. 
This is an interesting quote, I thought, uh, from Brandon Thorne today, uh, who, who writes for Bleacher Report and does some other things, a, a real good follow for offensive line stuff. And uh, he says this about Kirk Cousins. I'm curious for your thought on this. He says, the most underrated and overlooked thing that makes Kirk Cousins valuable is depth consistency in the pocket. Rarely will you yeah. ever see him past eight yards. It's near Brady-like in that one specific area of the game that makes him particularly, uh, or that makes him extremely offensive line friendly, particularly for tackles. And they've got two really good tackles there. How how e- how much does that help Darasaw and O'Neal there uh, w- when they know exactly where the quarterback's going to be on every single drop back? Huge, huge. Imagine what it's like to try and pass block for Justin Fields. Yeah. You know, imagine what it's like to pass block for Lamar Jackson, for Pat Mahomes. You know, I mean, depth, you know, we always say this about the offensive line. Centers and the guards are responsible for the depth of the pocket. The tackles are responsible for the width. So if you're a tackle and you know that your quarterback's on a five-step drop, he's going to be at five. He's not going to be at six. He's not going to be at seven. He's not going to be at eight. He's going to be at five. He's going to he's going to take the snap, drop back, fist step, ball out. You know, that's huge. When you're a pass blocker and you know exactly that, hey, if I get beat inside, you know, there's a chance that they might get a sack. But if I keep this guy wide, well, then, you know, we got a great shot at getting the ball out. When it comes to trying to, to rush Kirk Cousins, my takeaway is, especially if Darisaw plays. Now, Darisaw's in concussion protocol. Don't know where, where that one's going to be at, but watching this, it feels like your best chance to try and pressure Kirk Cousins is going to be those A and B gaps and then and, and getting pressure yeah, at the interior. I agree. And, and you, know, you know, Ezra Cleveland at one guard and then my LSU guy, Ed Ingram, at the other, I kind of felt like that Ed Ingram was the one that was a little bit more leaky. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I think Brian O'Neill and Darisaw, I think the tackles, I think they're good. I really do. Very I mean, good. and I and the thing with O'Neill is the but the longer he had the block, the more that you could kind of break him down. And he's the right tackle. So keep an eye on him. But I felt like if there was a guy to go inside and get an attack, it'd be the rookie Ed O'Neill from LSU. Ed Ingram, but yeah, yeah you, Ingram. I'm yeah, sorry, no, yeah, no, no. Ed Ingram, Brian yeah, O'Neill, Ed Ingram, throwing around a lot of names. I uh, no, I was, I, I was talking about Brian uh, Brian O'Neill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian it's O'Neill, Ed Ingram. We're mixing, Brian yeah, we're mixing names up. And, yeah, and Ed Ingram is the, the I guard you. that you should I got break you. down. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Uh, let's flipping it over to the defensive side of the game. I'll be honest, Brian. As much as I know, there's probably not a lot of people that want to see Dallas throw the ball after. Uh, you know, the two interception game from Dak and and the fact that the running game was really, really good. And there are a lot of people who thought that they should have run it more. I still think after watching these games of the Vikings, I think the way to beat the Vikings might be through the air. That might be the way to do it. Um, just because I think that that's where there's a little bit more susceptibility. If you can block up that front four for the Vikings, which is really good. Their, their edge rushers are fantastic. Daniel Hunter, um, and then you've got Zadarius Smith, and then even the guys they have in reserves coming in. I think Patrick Jones is good. I think DJ Wanham is good. They, they, they've got a lot of ability to to get home with just four, and that's obviously a, a big boost for them. But otherwise, I feel like there's an, a, an opportunity to take advantage of, you know, Cameron Bynum, Harrison Smith, uh, at times Patrick Peterson. Like, I think you can take advantage of the secondary if Dak yeah. gets time to throw. Yeah, I agree with you. I think these edge rushers are especially tough. I think... So Darius Smith, you know, you're talking about a game at the the Bank Stadium there, I guess, is, you know, yeah. it used to be the old Metrodome. I mean, new, well, it's a new stadium, but it's loud. It's difficult. Hearing is a problem. Uh, the Cowboys have experienced that, but you've got some young guys that haven't. And so, yeah, I, I, I really do like Darius Smith and, you know, coming over from the Packers. I think he's played with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, you mentioned Daniil Hunter. There's another LSU guy uh, that they have on their team that I think both these guys understand how to long rush, dip, drive. You know, get to the passer. They're they're gonna they're gonna be tough. They're gonna be tough on these two tackles uh, for the Cowboys in this football game. Uh, but I I think if you can handle that, you're right. I'm gonna. This is gonna sound bad. Attacking another LSU guy. 
even though this team is, I believe they're second in the league in turnovers, I think they've got 18. They, they get a lot. They do. They will get some turnovers. Yeah. They're they're takeaway they happy. They will get some turnovers. And so I think you have to be very mindful, very careful as you play. But I think you can go after Patrick Peterson in this game. I, I you know, and I, I know that Evans, the rookie, uh, really struggled against Diggs from Buffalo, but Diggs puts a lot of people in harm's way. But I think there's a way you can go after Patrick Peterson, and I think he's a little bit guessy and that kind of, you know, he's a veteran. He kind of gambles a little bit. But I kind of saw him get spun around on some of these games, and I feel like that maybe that that would be a, a thing. Like I said, him and then uh, a Caleb Alex. Uh, Caleb uh, Evans are the two guys I kind of feel like in the, in the secondary you need to to kind of keep an eye on. Who do you think on offense uh, has a really favorable matchup that could have a big game? I think the tight ends. I think, you know, Hunter, Hunter Smith, I, or excuse me, Harrison Smith. Uh, I think Harrison Smith is, I think he's good, but I don't, you know, I, I I think he's one of those guys that's kind of now in that game where he's on the back you, end. He's on the back end. Yeah, if you, th- I mean, he's been in a lot of collisions. My man's been playing since 2012. Yeah, he's a 10 year vet. He's still cagey, rangy, all that stuff. But there's times you see him kind of gamble on stuff and come up bad. So him, Peterson, you know, you can make some plays if you can get some protection in this game. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, it is now time for our favorite segment of the show. It is our listener mailbag where we turn the topic over to you fine people, our our dear listeners. Before we do that, I need to remind you, dear listeners, about our wonderful partner here at Love of the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. And I got to tell you, we, we love how much you guys have enjoyed Boomer Jacks yourself and how you're tagging us in these photos when you go out there. Uh, we, we love to see that. I think we'll be heading out there here soon. I, I think we'll have something yes. to, to say on that for you guys here shortly. Uh, but, but look, you don't even have to wait for any sort of an event. Just go look Tuesday or Wednesday night, uh, and you're liable to, to see me at one of the locations because that is half-price wing night. On Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesday, it's half-price boneless wings. But they got stuff for you every other day of the week. They got $3 drink specials, $15 buckets of beer, and that beer is the coldest in the Metroplex. Really the coldest in in America, if I'm being honest, from from these trips I've taken around the States with the Cowboys. I haven't found colder beer yet. Uh, So Boomer Jacks is definitely the spot, whether you're looking for a happy hour spot with your coworkers, somewhere to watch the game with your friends, or somewhere to have a nice dinner with the family, hit up Boomer Jacks. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, uh, let's hit on some of these questions now from our listeners. First one from Kyle. Are there any positives to take out of that soul-crushing loss to Green Bay? Yeah, there is. I mean, you – I think you figured out that that you can – you can that Pollard can carry the load. Yeah. I think that everybody was kind of worried about that maybe that he would be uh, – that if you gave him the ball more than 14 times, there were going to be problems – Hell, you probably should have gave it to him five more times. I think him – I think Malik Davis is showing that he could be a very reliable backup player if needed Yeah. Uh, there. I mean, I, I love what he was able to do. I, I think he figured out that CeeDee Lamb is once again capable of playing really good football for you. Yeah. You know, he's capable of getting open. He's capable of making plays. Uh, you know, it's – those are the things to me that were very, very positive – 
you know, when you look at the Cowboys offensively, what they were able to do defensively, you know, I, I it's tough because of the way the Packers, you know, you had a 14 point lead. Now the offense could have helped you with some, some down and distance stuff, staying on the field. But if you make a play on fourth and seven and get off the field, that game's over. Yeah. It's over. They're, and, they're done. And it wasn't the Packers that ran the ball on you in fourth and seven. They threw it and you gave up a big play and you gave up a touchdown. So, uh, like I say, positivity, Pollard, Davis, and then also, though, what CeeDee Lamb was able to do. Yeah, and more specifically on Pollard, and I know we talked about this the other day, I was really encouraged to see they were hitting the draw game. That yeah. they, they, they had a lot of success. Nice little wrinkle, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they hit a lot. Of, I think Pollard hit three of those for 10-yard gains the other night. And, and if you can have that in your arsenal, um, that's always a, a, a big help, especially because it can help, obviously, play defenses a little bit honest that want to get aggressive and, and blitz you and, and you know, uh, it, it can soften things up for you. So uh, that's definitely a big help there. Defensive side, let, let me try and think if there's a positive on defense. Uh, I, I like... I like Kelvin Joseph's physicality. That's yes. good. I, I, I enjoy seeing that. Uh, I think Demarcus Lawrence continues uh, to be a good player for you. Um, and I like, I'll say this, I like that Micah Parsons and J. Ron Curse and I guess a couple of these other guys are a, like got this beat down and, and are able to to recognize it and aren't glossing over it. So if, you, if you're looking for a positive from that, maybe it energizes them. Uh, next question here uh, from... Let's go with this question from Brian uh, with an I, not a Y, Brian. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think Dallas gets back to running more and reducing the amount of passes thrown? It seemed Dallas went back to pass first over a balanced offensive game. Basically, will Coach McCarthy's complimenting football return? I, I've i said this on the radio. I don't know if I said this on the podcast. I didn't have a problem with how much they threw it in general. Like I, I feel like maybe there were one or two times where I, I wish they would have run it more. But I feel like... They, they were playing within the flow of the game the times that they were drawing up passing plays. I didn't have an issue with that. I want the play design to be better on things like the fourth down call, and I just want the quarterback to be better. Like, sure. like have the quarterback play better. I don't have a, an issue, though, with in a vacuum the amount of times that they threw the ball. I, I think, in general, it, it it fit the flow of the game, and they just have to be better at it is the thing. I kind of felt like if Ezekiel Elliott would have played that game, they would have gone back to the better balance that they would have had. I think they would have split the carries between. There was a big discrepancy, if that's the right word, disparity. I think a discrepancy or just the gap between the uh, yeah. between the carries of of what Pollard and then you know with the the rookie Malik Davis. So I think if Zeke plays that game, it's more of a balanced game. And it's more balance of carries. And I think they would have tried to run the ball more, and I don't think they would have thrown it as much if Zeke plays that football game. I do think they had a little bit of a concern about Pollard. If Zeke plays it, maybe there's not that concern. Question here from GC. How would you compare Anthony Brown against Kelvin Joseph as far as strengths and weaknesses? I really wanted Kelvin to win the job, but always thought AB was solid enough as the number two corner. Look, this has been a bad year for Anthony Brown. Um I don't think he's been a black hole. Like, I, I think he's been – at times it's been bad, but I, I think overall he's still steadier to me than, than the wild swings of Kelvin Joseph uh, is, is my issue. And so if you're talking about pure talent, Kelvin Joseph is a more talented football player, I think. Um, but it, but yeah. if you're talking to me about reliability and in a defense right now that's saying we need everybody to understand their responsibility and where they're supposed to be – I will at least say I feel like I can trust Anthony Brown to to know the assignment better than Calvin Joseph right now. There's still trust issues with Calvin Joseph on that front, um, but but look, it, there there reaches a point where that's going to matter less and less if Anthony Brown keeps getting burned. Yeah, I, I would like to believe that. Uh, I would love to have Calvin Joseph's desire to make a tackle in both Brown and Diggs. I would like for, you know, when the, the great thing that special teams has taught Kelvin Joseph is how to be tough. Yeah, and how, and how to And how to be physical. And I think that's lacking uh, with Diggs. I think Diggs is a tremendous cover guy. But, and Brown has been a disappointment on my standards for Brown coming in. And I've talked about this a bunch. So 
people don't need to hear it again. But my standards of Brown were very, very, very high. And uh, he's been just okay. And, you know, and, but he's also reverted back to some of the bad habits that kind of plagued him throughout his career. And I, I worry about that. But if, if you told me that Joseph knew exactly what he was doing, I think I would like to play him because I know in this running game, if the ball comes his direction, he would try and tackle. Yeah, he'll hit. That, that I know. The, these, uh, him and Deron Bland will both, they'll, don't, they'll don't play try. physical. They, they will, yeah. yeah. And, and Diggs, Diggs, it feels like, will, it's just in spots. Like, it's, well, it's, it's when Diggs, it's most critical Diggs, and, and the game's yeah. online, it's like, got to make a hit. Yeah, when the ball is coming at him, it's a bad situation. When he has to run with or across – he, he made two tremendous tackles in that Cincinnati game yeah. that saved the game. Yep. You know, I mean, he really, I mean, he, he's a, he's willing to a point. Yeah. That's where he's at. Yeah. It's got to be a high leverage moment. It feels like uh, yeah. last question here from Greg Burnett on the two interceptions. Dak has thrown over the middle of the field. It seems he anticipated CD would flatten out his route to cross in front of the safety. I think we all have, have recognized that nothing new there, but this is an interesting angle. I'm curious about Brian. Do you think this was to avoid contact or a simple misread by the receiver. In other words, do you think CeeDee Lamb's decision was about not wanting to get hit or about reading the safety wrong? I think he read the safety wrong. I think he read the safety wrong. I I mean, how many times have we seen CeeDee? Like, I remember early in his career. It, it, was, it, was, it was very frustrating, though, because pre-snap, yeah. that safety was standing there. It's not even yeah. like he moved into it. They didn't, they, yeah. didn't, they didn't play him into it. That's what was also frustrating yeah. is he was aligned there. Yeah. So at the last, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, to be honest with you, Bobby, I don't need to see any more option routes, you know, or side adjustments or anything like that. If it's, if it means they're going to turn over the ball like that, you know, just, you know, I, I get it. You know, I mean, you got to play football and you got to adjust and all that. But it seems like to me, the quarterback and the wide receiver, especially CD, when it comes to those throws in the middle of the field, there's just not a comfort factor of CD going to get it or reading the right thing, uh, reading the way that the safety's playing. That does it for us here on The Love of the Star. We will be back with you guys again uh, tomorrow with with some uh, updates from Cowboys Locker, as well as predictions for the Vikings game. Until then, we will talk to you guys later.